The sponsor for the Shepherd's Crook podcast for the month of April is Media Gratier. Media Gratier is a nonprofit Christian publisher and filmmaker producing documentaries and multimedia Bible study curriculum with the emphasis on the means of grace and church history. You can visit mediagratier.org or themeansofgrace.org and see the documentaries they've created and are distributing like The American Gospel, Through the Eyes of Spurgeon, and Logic on Fire, The Life and Legacy of Martin Lloyd-Jones. Also great for small groups or Sunday schools, family worship, or individual study is their 12-week multimedia Bible study series, Behold Your God. These series are made up of two components that work together, a 13-week DVD set and a 12-week daily devotional workbook that has each participant in the scriptures on their own during the week. At the end of the week, the group gathers and watches one of the 13 DVDs together and then discusses the work they've done in the scriptures that week. Each DVD is made up of three parts, a historical introduction shot on location in England, Scotland, Wales are up the east coast of New England, highlighting a figure in church history whose lives illustrate the subject we're studying that week. Then there's a half-hour sermon from Dr. John Snyder, the series author. And finally, there's application points made from men like Paul Washer, Steve Lawson, Ian Hamilton, Sinclair Ferguson, Conrad Mbiwi, and many more. Take a look at themeansofgrace.org for much more on Behold Your God Bible Study series. And while you're there, be sure and check out and listen to the Behold Your God podcast that goes up each week with Dr. John Snyder and Media Gratier director Matthew Robinson. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Good morning. Welcome to the Shepherd's Group Podcast. This is episode 37, and today I want to talk to you about the manly pastor. You heard that right, the manly pastor. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would lead and guide this discussion. I pray that you would help me to speak clearly and that it would be helpful to all the men listening there's any ladies listening in, I pray that they would also be encouraged as well and challenged. And uh, Lord, just just lead. I just trust that you're going to. In Jesus' name, amen. Men are needed in local churches. Pastors are needed in lo- local churches. Uh, it's, it's interesting. Jesus was not bound by culture in any way. He, he really wasn't. He wasn't bound by tradition. He did the right thing, not the expected thing. And so, so often he broke traditions, cultural norms. He went through Samaria, talked with a Samaritan woman. He always was about his father's business. In John chapter 5, if you'll, you'll, you recall, Jesus said that, I only do what I see my father doing. Whatever my father does, the son does likewise. He always obeyed God, not man. And Jesus did spend a lot of time with ladies, and in good ways, in positive ways. He taught them, walked with them. They were in his crew. But when it, when it came time to choose his 12 disciples, Jesus followed the leading of his heavenly father, and he chose 12 men disciples. Now, that's not PC. That's not woke by today's standards at all. But that's what God the Father had God the Son to do. And the Holy Spirit says the exact same thing in 1 Timothy chapter 3 when he uses male language by saying, if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, elder, which is an elder, overseer, elder, same thing, he desires a noble task. So it's gender specific. And you know this, guys, I've been talking to you about uh, manhood and what it means to be a man. And it's it's pretty obvious that I'm a complementarian as you listen to this podcast. But I really want to specifically challenge men in this area of masculinity who are going into pastoral ministry. And this call specifically into pastoral ministry is a masculine call 
Men are called to do this work, and it is noble. Men are needed in the home, and men are needed in the church. When men abandon their responsibility in the home, the home literally falls apart. You can go to fatherhood.gov. If you just do that today at some point, go to fatherhood.gov, and it is a study full of statistics and material by the United States government about fatherless homes. And fatherless homes in America is an absolute, it's an absolute tragedy. If you look at it, it's, it's crazy to see that infant mortality is twice as high in homes without a father than with homes with a father. When the, If you remove the father from the home, the home falls apart. Well, the same thing happens within the church. That's why you see mainline denominations throughout this world falling apart like crazy. And the same thing happens in the church, in the home, when the father, when strong male presence and leadership is gone. So without men in the home, the home falls apart. Without true men in the church, the church falls apart. And the church is the family of God. I mean, there's that connection there. So I want to want to think through 1 Timothy 3 quickly with you this morning. And in 1 Timothy 3, verses 4 and 5, we're told that if a man can't take care of his house, if he can't manage his household, how's he going to manage or take care of the church? It's a really great question. The whole point is, if you want to see how a man is doing as a pastor, look to his home. Because eventually what's happening in the home will be represented in the church. If you see a group of pastors in a local church and their homes are in order and their homes are well and their wife is flourishing, the kids are doing well, then eventually what's happening there will be replicated, given enough time over the decades, will happen within the church. If things are falling apart at home, well then given enough time through the decades, no matter what the gifting of the man, eventually things will implode at the church. No matter how gifted that man is, if the home is not well, the church will eventually not be well. That's the connection that Paul makes in 1 Timothy 3. If you can't manage the, the home well, then you can't manage the church well. You just can't do it. So men, as pastors, are called to lead well. And then we consider, I want to consider Acts chapter 20. And, and I want us to see how masculine of a call this is. It's not just that pastors are to be males. But they are to be men. They're to be true men. In Acts chapter 20, if you look all the way from verse 17 down all the way really through verse 32, you can see some strong language that comes from Paul. And one of the things I want you to notice, and I think this is true across the board, is that men are protectors of their homes. And then Paul, the Holy Spirit actually, through the Apostle Paul, um, calls men to be protectors of the church. Pastors are to protect the church. Now, if somebody breaks into your house and you hear a rattle in the window, somebody breaks through the window, breaks through the door, would it not be shameful for you to send your wife and kids out there to fight? Well, of course. That would be ridiculous. It would be absolutely shameful. Well, it would be the exact same thing if you send your family to the wolves, if you send your wife to the wolves. Now, the charge Paul gives the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20 is remarkable. He first tells them as he kind of walks through his brief history in the city of Ephesus. And he begins to talk to them about how he's innocent of the blood of them all because he, he declared the whole counsel of God. He declared nothing that would... Um, uh, he, declared, he, he declared the whole counsel of God and he didn't withhold anything that would be good for them. He really loved the Bible. He preached everything in the Bible. Paul really believed that all scripture is God-breathed. He didn't believe that some scripture is God-breathed and profitable. He believed that all scripture is God-breathed and profitable. 
And he said he's innocent of the blood of them all because he looked at them in the eyes and he preached the truth to them over and over and over again. He pleaded with them. He cried with them. He was faithful to preach the whole counsel of God. And then he commissions these elders to care for the church. Hey, elders, pay attention to yourself. And I think that that's so crucial when he, in verse 28, he said, pay careful attention to yourself and the flock because it's so easy for men and elder teams to simply coast. If you're a part of an elder team, you, you've probably seen this before. If you've been in pastoral ministry as a lead pastor for years, you can come to points and seasons in ministry where you can just coast, where you're not paying that much attention to yourself and to the others. And so the, you have to fight that tendency that's deeply ingrained within what it means to be a man, to either be uh, hyper-aggressive or passive. And if you're of the passive type and you begin to, to coast, then you need to pay careful attention to yourself. Or if you're of the aggressive type and you begin to be domineering, you have to pay careful attention to yourself. And then the call is to care for the flock. Do you care for the flock? Jesus obtained the church with his own blood. Yeah, there's a particular redemption passage there for you, by the way. He actually purchased the church. That's how much he cares for her. He didn't just try to save her. He didn't just make a way for the church to be saved. He actually purchased the church through his death and resurrection. He loves the church by his own blood. He bled for her. And so the, the whole point is, if you're a healthy elder, then the church is going to be healthy. If you're an unhealthy elder, well, the church is going to be unhealthy. So care for them. Care for the church. Now, we are to care for them because of this warning in verse 29 and 30. Fierce wolves are coming. Fierce wolves are coming. Now, here's the point, men. We do not ever willingly throw women into battle with wolves. It's sheepish. It's absolutely sheepish. And the argument about gender roles and the whole complementarian, egalitarian thing and pastoral ministry in particular, we have to keep in mind the language that's used by the Bible. If a physical wolf... If a physical wolf, this is the argument here, walks up to you, now somehow or another it escaped a zoo and it's out in the yard and it walks up to your yard and you go out to the car and you're walking out with your family to the car and the wolf begins to walk up to you. Are you going to take your wife and shield yourself and your family from the wolf? Well, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Again, that would be equally shameful if you were to shield yourself from a wolf. You actually step up and put your arm in the jaw of that thing, and if it ends up killing you, well, at least it didn't kill your wife and your kids. It can eat on you for a while, but it's not going to be eating on your family because men step up and fight physical wolves. The same thing is true spiritually. We do not throw our wives or our women to the wolves. Because we're not going to come out unscathed here. If we're going to fight these wolves, we're going to be bleeding. We're going to be mocked. We're going to be told by naive people that wolves really aren't wolves. They're really nice. They're not mean. And we're going to have to keep fighting the wolves while we love the nagging sheep. And that's one of the hardest things about pastoral ministry, by the way, is this whole idea that when you're fighting wolves and you're getting flesh torn away and you're fighting for your people and you're trying to care for the church and God's church looks at you and says, well, you're just being legalistic. What are you doing? That's not false teaching. And you're just bleeding for them and pleading. And you just look right at them and love them. And if you're not a part of a church that loves the truth yet, and you're still building that into them, well, then it's going to be hard. But there are wolves in sheep's clothing. Bill Johnson out in Redding, California, is a false teacher that everybody loves. And some of you may have been influenced by their music. They have some, some good songs. But Bill Johnson is absolutely horrific. His book, God is Good. Well, first, God is good. But I read this book last year, and it is the worst book I have ever 
bread. It is a different gospel. It is a different God. It is a different message from the Bible. And right now, pastors out there listening, they have influence like crazy. Thousands upon thousands of people are influenced by Jesus culture, by everything that's going on at the schools of sign and wonders and all that kind of stuff, and by Bill Johnson himself. And in that book, God is Good, he so maligns God's word. I, it was awful. I, I, it was just a horrible book. And in that, he has the audacity to quote A.W. Tozier. You know, A.W. Tozier has that great quote about the most important thing about you is what comes to your mind when you think about God. And he uses that as if Tozier would agree with the God that Bill Johnson presents in that book. And it maligns Tozier. And it maligns God's word. It is horrible. He is not a good man. And people need to be warned. And here's the deal. As you fight wolves like that, as you name names cautiously, with wisdom, with prudence, not as an arrogant person who's just wanting to make a name for yourself or something like that, but as you're really pleading for the people in your church or people in your area or the church in general and fighting against false teaching and false teachers, you will get flack. You have to fight the wolves and love the sheep who try to bite as you're fighting the wolves. This is what you have to do. The influence right now that Girl Wash Your Face by Rachel Hollis is having on women across this globe and Instagram culture for women. Man, you're going to have to fight this culture of womanhood right now on Instagram and with Girl Wash Your Face that says to women, put yourself first, take care of yourself. There's ridiculous nonsense out there like this. Girl, you were somebody before you had kids and before you were married, and that somebody matters. Well, that harms the women of your church. Anything that presents something, a message that says you don't have to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me is, is a lie that has to be fought against. And that is, is women theology culture right now in the church and on Instagram. It's everywhere. And you have to fight false teaching. You have to do this. You can't, and there'll be people, just leave them alone. What's the big deal? But they won't spare the flock. That's what Paul says in Acts 20. They will not spare the flock. They will draw disciples away. And so today, I want to challenge you men, I want to challenge you pastors to actually, as 1 Corinthians 16 says, and then as Paul gives the example of Apollos standing up to the Apostle Paul, I want to challenge you by God's grace as pastors and men who want to be pastors to act like men. 1 Corinthians 16, act like men. God calls us to this. He calls men, he calls pastors to wake from their slumber, and he calls them up into a high and holy calling, a dangerous calling, as Paul Tripp calls it. And you're going to bleed if you answer this call. And godly men, they simply do. They answer the call, and they fight for their families, they fight for their church, they fight for their world, and they do it all for the glory of Christ. Pastors lead the way in this. If, if the Equality Act happens you know what? Persecution is going to come. And to be a pastor, we forget this for some reason, to be a pastor is a manly call. To be a pastor is to be the first who's going to get locked up in chains. To be a pastor is to be the first to die. To be a pastor is to be the first one to be burned at the stake when the persecutors come. To be a pastor is is put yourself in harm's way for the sake of the church. That's the whole point. If you're going to be a pastor, and if you look down in history, And if you look even across this globe, it means that you're going to put yourself in a situation where you're going to have to be persecuted. We don't really think about that much in first world countries and first world societies. But this is your call. This is the call of being a pastor. Will we heed the call? Will we suffer? And will we die if need be? Will we believe the whole counsel of God and not 
reject it? Will we only love some of God's word? Are we really lean into, like the Apostle Paul, believing that all scripture is God-breathed? Will we open ourselves to ridicule and persecution? Friends, I'm telling you, if you believe every word of the Bible and preach the whole counsel of God, eventually what people say about God's word, they will say about you. It's just a matter of time. But when we step up, will we step up and battle the wolves? Will we gladly walk into prison singing and shackled? Will we fight with the grace of God, by the Spirit of God, and the Word of God to be 1 Timothy 3 pastors and Acts 20 pastors? Or will we just be okay, kind of coasting and doing the saying and taking care of some people and loving some people? The call to be a pastor is a masculine call. Be the manly men, the Christ-like servants you're called to be. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit theshepherdscrook.co. For care and counsel, please call, text, or email to set up a session. You can follow The Shepherd's Crook on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please consider sharing this episode and leaving a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use. And let me encourage you to remember Jesus Christ.